amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Your problems are my problems, blah, blah, blah. Hello, everybody. This is again with this Melrose Place. Today's episode is Season 5, Episode 5, Unjained Melody. And now, here are your hosts, Tara Aranio and Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Tara and Dave. Hello, listeners. We are about to tell you about Season 5, Episode 5, Unjained Melody. But first, <laughs> I want to tell you what's happening on the Patreon Episode 91 is dropping April 8th. Let's watch Courtney Thornsmith in Mom. Her episode is Season 7, Episode 17. Beef Baloney, Dan, and a Sarcastic No. And you can find that on Hulu. We'll link it in the show notes. Uh, she's, I'll give a little spoiler. I think she's pretty good in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's enough of that. Um, Patreon.com slash again with this for that. And the previous 90 bonus episodes we have done there. Boy, oh boy. We have 200. <laughs> where we, we are, are so in young. the 90s. In more ways than one. Anyway, let's start with our C plot. Matt pouts through rehab. First, mm. though, we get some truly astonishing sub music. Clip two. They'll tell you there's no reason, but I say one day it'll all make sense. All that you've been craving will put you on the other side of the fence. It's natural and pure, and what no one else could condemn you for. It's not a smile from a box or hair from a bottle. The rocket fuel you got inside is going to take you full throttle back to me. I tried not to think about it, all those times you let me down. I tried not to ever doubt it, makes my stomach spin around. That is some spin doctor's monkey shit. And I, as much as I hate it, I also kind of love it. I mean, it's like Dan Cortese tries to sell you yogurt. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's bad. So then. But it's also kind of fun that it's like, what yeah. 90s lyric is coming next? Mm-hmm. Clad in a Baja top. Oh, here it is. <laughs> and then we cut from that cheerful. <laughs> intro to Matt sheepishly thanking Michael for bailing him out of jail and because as we recall at the end of the last episode he got popped by a vice cop at the gay bar in the town and when Michael snits that he should have let Matt rot there and that he's done helping him Matt turns on him but then tearfully admits he was so high he doesn't even remember picking up guy and needs Michael's help and sure enough when we see Matt next Michael's checking him into rehab Matt is hissing that it's not going to work. He doesn't need inpatient therapy. Did you not just say you need Michael's help? What did that mean, if not this? And anyway, Michael's like, shut up. Yes, you do. Uh, But Matt will not shut up. (laughs) Clip three. I don't consider myself an addict. Well, then you're in major denial, pal. 
And until you own up to what you have in common with the patients here, you're never going to dry out. You know what? I worked with these people when I was a social worker. They're barely functioning. Oh, like you're really in the driver's seat lately. Look, it's not only that. The wrong people find out about this at school. My career is over. Yeah, and so is mine. If they find out that I covered for you when you forged those prescriptions. So just stick to the program. We'll both be okay. I mean... I understand that this is necessary for expositional purposes, but again, I have to ask, like, if Matt wasn't planning to go to rehab, what was he going to do to address this issue? Yeah. Well, and uh, also, again, does he think that he can just not show up for rounds for a while and then be like, I had a cold. Like, that's right. Not yeah. This works. And you know, the other problem is that this is a recycled plot line from like two years ago with Allison that Matt yep. is now having to play like it's new, which it is not. So it's true. 500 scenes later, we return to Matt fidgeting with a magazine in the day room when Dr. Greg Evigan rolls up and suggests a game of ping pong. Clip four. Yeah, I'm trying not to have too good a time. I don't want to be tempted to come back. Well, I thought that being that you weren't showing up for your therapy sessions, that you might have some time to kill. How the hell do you know whether I'm showing up for my therapy sessions or not? And what business is it of yours? Well, I own the joint. But you, you're the head doctor. That's right. Then why are you acting like a patient? Well, I used to be an addict myself. I know how tough it is being a doctor and a patient at the same time. Yeah, well, you know what? I get out of here tomorrow, and it's not going to be so tough after that. Were you planning on a miracle cure? Yep. It's called willpower. Oh. Well done. Then you don't have to worry about all the personal garbage that got you in here. You know, stop trying to understand me so well. Well, that's what I do. Yeah, and the longer I stay in here, the more money you haul in, right? Well, you think this place has made me rich? Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. A lot of self-destructive, addictive personalities out there. My kind of people, right? Yeah, actually, Matt... You know, you remind me of me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about this. I mean, Greg Evigan is like a- absolutely like, you know, replacement player beefcake. Like, yes. fine. Yeah. But this, uh, this is just so dumb. They don't know how to do this. They didn't really know how to do the storyline with Allison. I'm surprised that she hasn't started drinking again just because someone forgot. Yeah. That she's in recovery, but also this writing is completely out of character for Matt. I understand he's supposed to be struggling with um, urges and an addiction. I don't think that's why. I think they just wrote him to be a dick and don't, like, he just had a line about being a social worker. Maybe go back and see how he might respond Mm -hmm. to any of this. I'm just, I hope they write him off soon because I'm just tired on his behalf. It's not good, but... For now, it's over. (laughs) Well, let's move on to our B-plot. Jane goes full fatal attraction. We pick back up where we left off in the previous episode with Jane watching Allison's apartment burn. Inside, Jake springs into action. The door outside is on fire, and their other point of egress, the kitchen window, is barred, and no one gave Allison anything to open it with, and the bathroom window is too small, and before you say, why don't they crawl out of the living room window, it also is barred. 
Jake tries smashing the kitchen window with Allison's flimsy cafe chair, but succeeds only in getting the legs stuck in the bars and <laughs> just leaves it there. This is in the visual aids because it made me laugh so much. Um, oh, my he, God. He decides they're going to have to try the front door after all. And while he kicks the door and Allison calls 911, Jane, outside, grabs a fire extinguisher and goes to work, then smashes the door open with a nearby ladder, and they all run out coughing. Jane saves the day. R.I.P. Allison stuff. I guarantee she didn't have insurance on the new place yet. But if her apartment didn't have a usable fire escape, she can probably sue her landlord. None of this is going to come up. I'm just saying it for her own edification. Well, also, they're all standing outside like, wow, thanks for saving us, and then hugging each other and knitting their brows while the fire is, like, still going. Yes. No one's calling anyone. No one's no. rushing back in to get any stuff, even though the fire had not gotten into the house yet. Yes. Uh, no one's warning the neighbors. No yep. neighbors are coming out. This is the dumbest fire in the history of dumb fires. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Not as dumb yeah. as when Kelly and Allison were sitting directly under a window screaming for help through a soundproof door. Yep. Never forget. So Jane seems to want to forget what they all just fought about until she sees Jake comforting Allison and then gets all sad about them again. And at the hospital the next morning, Sydney and Samantha find Jane in a waiting area. Samantha can't believe all the bad luck Jane's been having lately. Yes, that's what it is. Bad luck. I mean, <sighs> yeah. she didn't intend to start this fire, but, you know. Um, here's another glimpse at Samantha's rich backstory, clip five. I took fire safety once, and they said to check your nose hair, see if they're singed because your lungs could be damaged. I'm fine. I just called because I needed a ride back to my car. It's still parked in front of Allison's. What were you doing at Allison's? What are you doing here? I called Sam. Who had the sense to call me, your nearest blood relative, in case I had to donate one of your organs or something? Besides which, I would have driven you to your car without a lecture about nose hairs. <laughs> I mean, like, absolutely team Sydney. I don't understand what they're trying to do with Samantha. No. It's like this daffy, rambling, small town, like Rose Nyland. Like, yeah. what is... What is being attempted? This is a nighttime soap. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're going to do that kind of humor, Sydney is better at it. Yes. She's built for it. Yeah. Give it to her. I mean, a lecture about nose hairs feels like half a mom episode title. But anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Samantha then remembers the two other people who were menaced by fire. Sydney sends Samantha to go check on them and then privately just quickly checks that Jane did not set the fire herself. And I mean, you you have to ask. Yeah, you do. Jane denies both that she is an arsonist and that she's angry at Jake and Allison. She just wants a ride to her car, which Sydney prays is not a getaway. <laughs> and Samantha's at the desk when Billy rolls in. She gets snarky at the idea that he gives a shit about Jake or Allison, given the scene that he made outing them at the party. Good point. He says he was just drunk, but that does not make it better. Like, this is how you are when you have a few thrown down your throat. Cool. Yeah. In vino, bore it to us. Yeah. Anyway, he's there. So he supposes he does still care about Jake and Allison, who, according to the ER doctor, are fine. Allison crabs about losing everything and not knowing where she's going to sleep, which, like, I think at your boyfriend's place. Although he doesn't immediately assure her of that, which is weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll find you a motel. Wait a second. Um, <laughs> he's back on Thank God We're Alive and how lucky they were that Jane was there. But Allison finds that kind of suspect, actually. And Jake thinks they should just see what the cops say. 
And as they're leaving, Billy spots them in the hall and is about to say something, but then he sees them put their arms around each other and Allison puts her head on Jake's shoulder and Billy changes his mind and he's sad. I mean, I guess. He actually just looks kind of intrigued by gossip. It's true. One of many times that he picks that face instead of acting, but we work with what we have. (laughs) That's true. In the courtyard that night, Sydney tells Jane that Samantha has a bad attitude. So right on cue, Samantha comes out of the apartment with snacks for them, and Sydney is faced. Samantha also has an idea about putting mannequins in the window in old Hollywood looks. Does she think that's a dumb idea? And, you know, she didn't ask me, but since they would be looks you don't actually sell in the store, I'm going to say yes, and so does Sydney. it is. Mm. But stupid Jane likes it. Samantha has a particular dress in mind that she can get right now and will not even take Jane's money to pay for it. And after she's gone, Allison and Jake hesitantly roll up to thank Jane for saving them from the fire. Jane is sorry about their fight. She had actually come back to apologize. She lies. And she and Allison polite fight back and forth about who's more sorry. And then Jane came claims that she's fine with Allison and Jake being together. He retires to bed, giving Allison his keys, and Jane is like, so you two are living together? And Allison says it's just for now. And Jane invites her to come by the shop so Jane can lend her a few things. Jeez, don't put yourself out or anything. Like, you want them back after? Okay. <laughs> More bad ideas at Jane's, the store. Anyway, Allison hesitantly accepts. And when she's gone, Sydney tells Jane she knows Jane was faking and is just waiting for a chance to pounce on Jake, which, I mean, who isn't? But Jane does not even bother denying it. And the next day, Samantha's styling her vintage dress for the window when Jane and Sydney show up, the latter advising the former to forget about Jake. And Jane claims she already has. In fact, she invited Billy over that night and then tells Samantha to be out. I mean... You could go to Billy's or you and Samantha could each get your own place. Like we've been saying all along, not sharing this one bedroom. Samantha kind of tenses up at the news that Jane and Billy might be dating. And Sydney notes that Jane is kind of horning in on Samantha's territory by choosing Billy as her next target. But Samantha denies it. She just doesn't love living like she's in a sorority house again. Like, is Jane going to put a tie (laughs) on the door again? Move out. Yeah. Jane promises they'll work these issues out in the future, but for now, could you just, like, not be home? And she agrees to go to a movie, adding that she doesn't know what Jane sees in Billy anyway. And everyone then turns their attention to Samantha's display. She's painted a picture of Marilyn Monroe's house. It's based on a real photograph, which you can see in the visual aids. This is another gala committee insertion, but it comes up again in a later episode, so we'll get into it then. Uh, Marilyn used to put stuffed animals on her lawn, maybe to connect with her inner child. But Sydney says inner children are not what Jane's is about. And then asks what the Jane of Jane thinks. And Jane hedges that she kind of likes it. And they can leave it up and see what kind of feedback they get. Sure, that's how to have a vision for your business, idiot. And then Sydney makes a face at Jane undermining her because this is not an easy three-way relationship that we're watching right here. No. That night... Billy shows up as Samantha departs, wishing him a nice date. He denies it is one, and she's like, that's not what I heard. Well, she heard wrong, and he would like to talk about it with her the next night. She declines. He likes her. He thinks she likes him. She gives him credit for persistence and agrees to see him later that week for some reason. Don't encourage that kind of shit. Honestly. And as she leaves, Jane invites Billy in, seeming weird. For some reason, the first thing he says is not, she just said this is a date, but is it? Um, Instead, Jane just gets to it. Clip six. I miss Jake. You miss Allison. 
And your point is? Well, I was just wondering, how do you handle it? We'll move on. What else is it to do? I don't know. I mean, I feel like barricading myself inside sometimes so that nobody can rape me or abandon me or betray me ever again. Yeah, I can relate to some of that. I know you can. I mean, don't you ever feel used by them? Yeah, I do. I guess we both do. Well, I think we can help each other with that, Billy. I mean, I have so many feelings bottled up inside. I need someone to give them to. You know what I mean? You mean someone who can make Jake jealous? Exactly. I don't think so. I'd rather forget them. It's history. Don't you mind having been made a fool of? I mean, they've been running like pigs for weeks behind your back. It's a bad idea, Jane. Allison and I are through. So are you and Jake. And you just accept that? It is what it is, Jane. For you, maybe. But Jake still feels for me. I know he does. I'm sorry. <laughs> are you? Um, <laughs> running like pigs. Okay, Othello. Like, what? Where did I that know. come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, sorry, uh, Goody Mancini. <laughs> wasn't uh, wasn't aware we were resuscitating that expression, but all right. No. Uh, so seduction having failed, she watches Billy leave repeating, he does, I know he does. And while she's watching Billy, she sees Jake and Allison coming back to Jake's place canoodling. Cut to Jake's place where he and Allison fall onto the bed together. And when the phone rings and Allison picks it up, we see Jane sitting in her apartment on the other end of the line, silently fuming and then impotently hanging up. Some number of days later, Jane walks through a bush somewhere on the property and ends up peering through the blinds into Jake's window to spy <laughs> on Allison and Jake making out on his bed. She spots a handy loose brick and chucks it through the window and... Obviously, this freaks out Jake and Allison. Each assumes it was the other one's ex. And Allison storms out to confront Jane, ignoring Jake's attempts to stop her. And clever Jane comes to her door in a towel. Of course she didn't throw a brick through Jake's window. She was about to get in the shower. They shouldn't take Billy's tailspin out on her. She claims <clears throat> Billy's been talking a bunch of shit about them and that she saw him run off a minute ago. Honestly, Billy did not help himself with that display at the party, I have to note. Mm. But Jane eavesdrops as they walk off bickering about which of their exes is the psycho before Jake snaps that he's going out. And Jane was totally even dressed under her towel, as we see when we cut back. She just shoved all her clothes under it. Okay. I don't necessarily buy that Jane is that quick thinking, but fine. Well, I mean, as you noted in the visual aids, where was this? Um, where was this? Uh, what's the word I want? Um, perspicacity, I yes, guess, when sure. she was trying to get rid of Richard. Honestly. Like, anyway, when Billy and Samantha get home from their dinner together, we will get to them some more. Uh, Jake is waiting to confront Billy about the brick, and Samantha readily alibis Billy, but Jake thinks Billy meeting her at eight gave him plenty of time to have vandalized Jake's place. Bro, A, you don't know where they were, and B, you live in Los Angeles? Traffic is kind of a variable, but he orders yeah, Billy but, not to come. Okay, Briscoe. <laughs> Whatever. He orders Billy not to come near him and Allison again. And Jane watches through her window as her plan plays out perfectly. And that's where we leave her for now. 
Finally, our A plot, everyone is horny, including D&D nepotism, hire Craig, horny for power. At the medical practice, Michael's annoyed that Kimberly is filing shit wrong and even more annoyed that she doesn't care to learn the system since she's not planning to stay. I have to say, being this sloppy, it's not the Kimberly we know. Like, yes, she can make unpredictable choices, but usually in a pretty well-organized way. Like, I don't know why she would just be like, whatever about filing. Also, it's filing. Like, it already has yeah. a procedure in place. It's called the alphabet. Yeah, um, which you'd think she would find very soothing. But if anything, they should be fighting about the fact that she's um, sublimating her sexual desires into reorganizing their filing system in a way he doesn't like. Like, mm -hmm. have you? has anyone in the writer's room met this character? Yeah. Michael is further annoyed that Kimberly still is not having sex with him. Clip seven. Michael, I do. I do want to have sex with you. I'm just... Afraid it will open up a can of worms. Oh, that's a pleasant image. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> it's gross. True. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, from there, they go to a bad segue about the medical practice being on the skids. Uh, Taylor walks Again. in just as Kimberly's telling Michael the name of the resort where Peter and Amanda went for their honeymoon. And Taylor then approaches, confirming Peter's location, weirdly confident given future events that Michael is not going to report her interest to Peter later. Uh, Taylor doesn't have an appointment. She just wanted to talk to Peter about something and no, Michael can't help her. She prefers Peter's bedside manner. And as Taylor chirps out, Kimberly warns him away from her. And in Santa Barbara, sex is being had by the newlyweds when there's a knock at the door and then the room service guy just lets himself in. Not in any hotel I've ever been in. No, me neither. The waiter asks Miss Woodward to sign for the order and Peter declares that she's Mrs. Burns, actually. I mean... She's Mrs. Howell, if anything, but whatever. Mm -hmm. She just laughs as the waiter explains that's the name on her credit card. And still cheerfully rebuffing him, Amanda says Woodward is her professional name. She sees no need to change it, and the waiter cannot wait to get out of there. But mm. we're not done. Clip eight. Well, the check may be on Miss Woodward, but the doctor's on Mrs. Burns. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> All right. Not bad at that. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, their chemistry is um, such that these extremely tired um, exchanges that are TV staples about, like, let's argue about the name, where mm -hmm. we're going to live, da, da, da. like yeah. these two almost put it over. But oh my God, there's like so much stalling. I, ca I mean, I can't believe that it's episode five, like how little has happened in this season and it's yet true. how many new characters are constantly, you know, tra yes. trampling our nerves anyway. Yeah. Two more in this episode, if you can mm -hmm. fucking believe it. Um, so when Peter smacks Amanda on the ass, she checks that he's not actually making a federal case about the name change thing. And he's fine with her staying Woodward on one condition. If she disrobes immediately and lets him keep calling her Mrs. Burns, apparently, and she's down with that. So everything's fine. <laughs> Over to D&D. &D. Now we know they did save the set. <laughs> I Yep, that was in my notes. And I was like, hey, buddy. <laughs> With a business balcony, even. Mm -hmm. um, Billy's rolling in late for work to receive a note from Amanda to cover her while she's away. And when he heads into Amanda's office, their pig boss, Arthur, is in there with David Charvet, looking weird in a suit as opposed to just uh, a swim, swim trunks, mm -hmm. as he did on his previous job on Baywatch. Here he is, Craig, Arthur's son, and he's going to be working there from now on. So Billy should find him a desk and teach him what he can. So get ready for some dry teeth, Craig. That's all Billy knows how to teach you. Keep that mouth open. Um, 
Arthur leaves and his ominous music plays on the score. <laughs> Craig claims he will stay out of Billy's way and pick up what he can. He'll probably learn more than he did in four years at Wharton. Smooth. Name drop. LOL. <laughs> Wharton. Okay. Oh. Craig also does not expect special treatment just because he's Arthur's son, but he does like cream in his coffee. Yes, spank Billy. Treat him like the worm he is. I mean, I know we're supposed to hate this guy, but I hate Billy more. So, abuse him. Um, at Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle is clattering around in the kitchen being showily angry. And Taylor exposa jokes that he's not cooking for 200 Marines anymore, so he should show some class. He's so tense. He needs a break. They should take a couple of days off, maybe go to Santa Barbara. But they're opening in a couple of days and nothing is ready. So, yeah, okay, no, you can't go away. <laughs> this is ridiculous. No. Do you even have an assistant manager who could cover any of your shit? But she doesn't even want to taste his sauce <laughs> and definitely <laughs> turns it into a fight she can win. Clip nine. Easy for you to say you're never around. I am always here alone trying to make this stuff up. Well, you're never alone for long. Now are you, Kyle? I thought that was behind us. Why are you bringing that up now? Oh, I don't know, just sharing. Sharing? Yeah. Where the hell do you think you're going? Hmm? Santa Barbara? Lady, you drive a hard bargain. <laughs> Does she? Hard bargain. Just get let her divorce you. She's so annoying. She is annoying. The next day, Amanda's wandering around the pool with a fruity drink when she spots Peter at a table with the McBrides talking golf. Um, Amanda is notably unfriendly, and when Taylor lies that she hopes they're not intruding on private time, Amanda's like, Well, you are. Goodbye. Back in L.A., Craig comes by Billy's office to thank him for showing him around. He also had a question. Clip 10. You know, I was thinking maybe you could fill me in on some uh, office politics here, you know? Well, how'd you have in mind? Well, like, uh, I heard that after you slept with Amanda Woodward, you sort of lost your AAA rating. I mean, what's that, some kind of Samson and Delilah thing? Who the hell do you think you're talking to? I mean, she was your boss, right? I mean, did she make you do her and then drop you? Let's get something straight. Just because you and I work in the same office doesn't mean we're buddies. You got that? Hey, I'm just trying to learn the ropes, Campbell. I mean, you can't blame a guy for trying. Mm. Yeah, you can. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, this is where he lost me again. Back in Santa Barbara that night, Peter puts off Kyle's attempts to make golf plans, claiming the little woman wants more of his time so they should just get together when they're all back in L.A. And Amanda says this, clip 11. Little woman? Oh, it's just a guy thing, you know. It's a golfing term. That's the best you could come up with? <laughs> How would that be a golfing oh. term? Yeah. Amanda says that if the McBrides call back, Peter should tell them to butt out. Peter would like to know what's going on with Amanda and Taylor, and actually she would like to know what's going on with him and Taylor, since Taylor's all up in their business suddenly. Peter denies that anything's going on, but Amanda thinks that Taylor's latched on to Peter and nothing is going to stop unless they stop it. Peter should play golf with Amanda instead anyway. No, she can't play, but Peter can teach her. And then the phone rings and it's Billy calling to tell Amanda about Craig, despite her notes having been very clear about leaving her alone. She's upset that he didn't call to tell her about this the day that Craig actually arrived. But anyway, Billy does not trust Craig. Amanda tells him to keep her posted. And one way Peter has found to relieve business pressure 
what? It turns out to be sex. You know, just a lot of weird segues from Peter in this scene, I have to say. <laughs> Back in L.A., Craig is letting himself into Billy's office and snooping through the drawers, finding the note that Amanda left and smirking that he is, in fact, a business emergency. And the next day, Peter is giving Amanda a golf lesson when her cell phone rings. It's Arthur, clip 12. Are you enjoying yourself? Most people do on their honeymoons. Most people don't take honeymoons as work demands are as great as yours are. Everything's under control. I'm staying on top of things by phone, and Billy's advising me if any problems crop up. Campbell doesn't know how to run a business besides. He lied to me to cover for you. Now, don't get me wrong, Amanda. I encourage my employees to lie, but not to me. <clears throat> the first thing you do when you get back this afternoon, Amanda, is fire him. Fire him? Yes, fire him. I hadn't planned on coming in this afternoon. Plans change, Amanda. Okay, I'll try and rework my schedule then. I, I don't know why it's necessary to fire Billy. <laughs> like, why does he even care? Yeah. Just be like, my son Craig is XYZ. Bye. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that it's a nighttime soap, but I, you know, and Durbinville is a hateful actor and that's why you cast him, but this this is like abrupt even for this show uh oh i realized who you meant it's debars debars not darbin oh debar sorry a different french name yes michael oui. debar anyway after amanda's hung up peter obviously wants to know what that was about and refuses to let her wave him off so she grudgingly says the sharks are circling at work and he shrugs that they can go back to la but she refuses to jump just because arthur told her to Peter notes that Arthur is the chairman of, bo of the board. Again, I must ask, what happened to Peter in the doctor's consortium that owned their agency last season? Yeah. Anyway, Amanda says her honeymoon is not over until she says so and then slices a ball with ease. So is she a natural or did she already know how to play? <laughs> Sound off in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> At the beach. Kimberly hangs up with her therapist and tells Michael she thinks they can try some non-sexual touching techniques like a massage. And taking off her blouse and revealing her braless back seems to entice Michael to try it. And honestly, if she is not trying to seduce him, I don't know what she would do differently if she were. Clip 13. Mm, I'm so tight. That's it. Oh, harder. Mm. Mm. Oh. Mm. Isn't this better than sex? Um, I don't know. Kimberly, maybe we should start with something less ambitious, you know, like patty cake or something. Mm-mm, this is good. I'm starting to feel very relaxed. Me too. <sighs> oh. What? Okay. No, don't. Why'd you stop? No, massager's cramped. Look, you know what? I'm gonna go for a run, okay? I'll be back soon. <laughs> massager's cramp. Patty cake was good, too. Well <laughs> So then Sydney steps out of Jane's plot line to roll into Kyle's to try to order some takeout. The place isn't open yet, but uh, Kyle recognizes her from the complex and offers her a tour of the kitchen and a taste from the pan on the stove. And she gives him what Taylor wouldn't earlier, gasping at how good the sauce is. But then Kyle sees that he dribbled some on her boobs and tries to clean <laughs> her up chastely. And she gets all Twitter-pated about it, saying it's nice to have fine cuisine so close to her boutique. And he is shocked to learn they are business neighbors as well. He really likes that painting in the window. He needs some big canvases for the restaurant, and Sydney can get him a deal. And then Billy's at D&D, &D, hearing through Amanda's office door is 
Arthur promises Craig that Amanda's chair has Craig's name on it. Craig just needs to learn all he can from Amanda before tossing her out. And Andrew Shue makes a face at this, which you can see in the visual aids. It's just not the right face. No. Like, like it's he's like giddy. He, but he's listening to a woman masturbating and not yeah. the actual yes. conversation. Yes. It's really weird. Yeah. But when Craig Andrew expressed, Shue. Mm, yeah. When Craig expresses confidence in this plan, Arthur warns that Amanda tore Billy to pieces and he was a good man, but Craig thinks he's better. And I know we just met, but he probably is. And they go on, clip 14. <laughs> I'd crush her myself. But she has an ironclad contract. Too much power for someone in her position. For a woman in her position, you mean? I don't have a problem with women. No. Just some women. If you can't do this, Craig, I'll get somebody who can. Oh, I'll do it. If she has an ironclad contract, why would Craig be able to do something you can't? Uh, yeah, I don't. And she didn't tear Billy to shreds. It, yeah. I don't know. This whole thing is like, please, someone read the show Bible, but <laughs> it's not happening, so let's move on. It's true. Amanda parks in the D&D parking lot the next morning just as Arthur rolls up alongside her in his fucking stretch limo and bitches her out for returning a day later than he had said and for not having fired Billy yet. She says it's up to her whether to keep Billy or not, and Arthur further bitches that he can't fire them both because of this contract, but she's not bulletproof. Clip 15. You're a protected class, which means you can cry sexism whenever it suits you or you flash some leg when that can get you a better deal. This is beginning to smack of harassment, Arthur. Insubordination like yours is grounds for dismissal, Amanda, whether you waive your sex or your contract in my face. Sounds like you're forcing me to seek legal counsel. Is that a counter threat? Let me put it simply. You try to fire me, I'll sue your pants off. That's a tempting offer, Amanda. <laughs> but let's do this instead. Demote Camel. But you can't tell him it's part of a compromise deal. Fair enough. One more thing. Give his best accounts to a hotshot new employee who joined up while you were partying in Santa Barbara. That wouldn't be your son by any chance. Craig. He's probably upstairs right now revolutionizing the entire advertising industry. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> oh, is that what we're calling it now? Bap, 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 bap. <laughs> Yeah, this was this was grim. Like, I don't know if I'm Amanda if I get in that car with that guy because he yeah. is going to rape you. Sorry. Yeah, or kill you. Yes, or both. Or both, yeah. Then Michael is running on the beach when Kelly, Kelly Rutherford pulls up beside him, eyes him down, and passes him. Michael does not hate the attention and catches up to her to flirt and introduce himself, but she runs on. She doesn't share her name, but she runs there every day. More introductions. At D&D, Amanda cuts off Craig trying to make his because she knows who he is. And he knows he's a nepotism, but he's there to learn. Clip 16. I'm here to keep my ears open and my mouth shut. Well, this is kind of a bad way to illustrate that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Craig. Yeah. He then follows her to her office door and asks to start over. Sure, he can order lunch for a meeting later. And then Billy shoves past Craig into Amanda's office and tries to tell her what he overheard between the fields, but clip 17. Save it. I'm giving Craig your office and your top three accounts. You can't do that. I got those accounts. 
Well, you haven't been performing up to standards lately. Just consider this a probationary period. I'll quit first. Well, I'd have to see you go. I think you should hang on for a while and see how everything pans out. Now, what was that interesting news you had to tell me? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yes, Whatever. go ahead and try and get another job, Billy. After what you've done in the industry since your fucking season four breakdown after Brooke's death. Like, eh, I don't think anyone else is interested in hiring you either. And now you can't even go work at Shooters because you burned that mm. bridge too. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. At good old Eclipse, Billy apologizes for showing up late for his date with Samantha. And she says it's fine since she's noshing, but then holds up her beer so that we all know that Brooke Langton is not down with the Yiddish slang, I guess. No. <laughs> anyway, she says it's nice to see him outside the building since everyone there is so intense. Nothing like where he, she grew up. Here we fucking go with this again. Billy remembers that it's Maryland. This time, I think she's saying Crispfield. I thought it was Christville last time. I I don't know, but... I don't either, nor do I care. So no. put, please add us, because we're not going back to find out. <laughs> no. There was nothing to do in that town, but hang out with everyone you had always known. But in L.A., everything moves so fast, and Billy says it takes years to make friends in L.A. Billy is an L.A. native. Like, you don't get to pull this shit like you just got to town. You're not from Ohio. Shut up. Yeah. Also, it's it's Maryland, not Montana. Shit's pretty close together. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, the only reason that Billy said it takes years to make friends is so he can add that you can lose them much faster. And Samantha thinks of her life in terms of phases defined by the friends she had. And Billy then shares that he got demoted at work, but he doesn't want to talk about his failures. And she thinks if he can talk about them, it's not really a failure. And maybe this is the beginning of her Billy period. And he makes a bunch of dumb faces. And thank God, that's the end. <laughs> Let's close up by naming our episode MVP. Mm. Everyone kind of sucks. So I guess Amanda... Yeah. Or, I mean, I would say Peter, but he's wearing these espadrilles in one scene when he's talking to the McBrides <laughs> that really made me nauseated. But, mm. I mean, yeah, Amanda, I guess. I'm going to say Dr. Dan, because, I don't know, he's apparently profited from people's misery and <laughs> good for him, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Least valuable player. Oh, <laughs> Jane, you can't even seduce Billy. Give up. <laughs> Samantha, you can't even move out on Jane. Give up. <laughs> so no one cares about your stupid crab chips. Cram it. No, they don't. Next time on Again With This, Matt gets ratted on, Goodyear gets a product placement in a question mark, and Amanda finds out that succeeding in business, 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 business is really trying. Speaking of really trying, our visual aids, which you'll find for this and every other episode of Again With This at AgainWithThisPodcast.com. Follow the links there to get our very special 90210 book. Follow us on Twitter at AWT90210. And join our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash AgainWithThis, where any level of support gets you extra episodes. I'm Nose Hair Lecture, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm on Twitter at Tomato Nation. My co-host is golfing term, Tara Ariano. She's on Twitter at Tara Ariano. And our producer is a nepotism, David T. Cole. Talk to you next time. Ooh. What?
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.